Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining another week's podcast from Wind entitled ESG123. Uh, this is Max Kiefer, and I am the host of the podcast. Uh, I am also the head of sustainability for Wind, and Wind focuses on air quality monitoring and purification technology. So this week, we're very excited to have Kina join us. Kina and I have known each other for over 10 years uh, in sustainability and the green building uh, environment. Uh, she comes to us from BCCI. So give you a little bit of background for her. Uh, she has a background in sustainability, green building, and environmental chemistry. And then also, as mentioned, she leads the BCCI sustainability and wellness team. So in addition to her lead AP, well AP, and Fitwell ambassador credentials, Kina is a well faculty member. Uh, that is a group that provides education and training on the well building standard and contributes to program development. Uh, we'll touch upon a number of those different building certifications, not only how they apply to building a building, but then also the operations and maintenance after the building's been completed. Uh, in addition to that part of the podcast, uh, we will talk about uh, Kina's other areas that she's focused on. Uh, she served as the chair of BCCI's Community Builders Philanthropic Group, as well as helped found the Sustainable Builders Group and Social Justice Focus Groups internally as well as manage BCCI's Just Label. Uh, very exciting podcast that we have with her uh, and a lot of good information covered. Thank you for tuning in this week and encourage the group to follow up uh, and listen to upcoming weeks as well. Hello, Kina. How's everything going? Good. How are you doing, Max? Yeah, doing well. I'm glad that we got a chance to make this happen. As I mentioned before, lucky to have Kina here, uh, expert on a number of different areas on sustainability. Uh, to our listeners that are just tuning in this week, I do encourage you to check out a few weeks ago when we had Drew Shula. Uh, Drew Shula, uh, he's the founder of the largest net zero conference. So one other reason we're excited to have Kina here is uh, Drew kind of laid the foundation on everything sustainability at a high level. Uh, Kina comes to us from not only a general contracting and a construction background, uh, but also with a chemistry background, knows uh, her way around indoor air quality on a few other components. So maybe this is a, a good place to start here, Kina. We obviously connected when I was at CBRE. That was in the construction management side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I think you would uh, be a, a very great resource for our listeners to hear uh, how construction is really focused on not only just looking at one time and a place and building a building, uh, but if you will call it a life cycle analysis, if you will, what goes into not only building a building, uh, but then after the fact, once it's been completed, uh, handing that off to the other folks or other teams and having them work together. So maybe that's a good place to start and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been a part of BCCI which is a general contractor headquartered in the Bay Area for over 10 years. And in that time, I think construction has really understood that their impact on global carbon emissions is significant. So about 39% of greenhouse gas emissions comes from the built environment. A portion of that is design and construction and actually the things that go into building a building. But the other part of that is just operating the building. So I think, you know, the trends, especially in California with the green building codes has been really to reduce the demand of energy. Um, and now we're seeing a lot of buildings move towards electrification and getting away from that natural gas. 
But as far as, you know, the impact of a contractor, it really comes down to um, on-site practices, lowering your embodied carbon for better materials, uh, anti-idling plans on-site, lean construction practices, uh, better delivery schedules. I mean, real simple things that just we didn't really think about as much as an industry that we're starting to move more towards for projects, regardless of any sort of lead or well or living building challenge certification. That's very well said. Yes. And so one of our other uh, uh, interviewees, if you will, was uh, Dustin Heiler. He was over at Steelcase uh, and he was talking about embodied carbon. So mm-hmm. we'll probably get it li- get into it more later in the podcast uh, in terms of how these materials really fit into not only achieving some building certifications, but also the air quality. So um, I think maybe that's a place to start is on the air quality front. Uh, I will give a refresher, no pun intended to our listeners, that WIND is focused on air quality monitoring as well as purification technology. Uh, we were lucky enough to put together a number of case studies with BCCI. This is kind of an open-ended question. I know it's always kind of changing, um, but really, you know, you and I have been in this air quality space for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. I started my air quality journey, if we want to call it, at Healthy Buildings International, and that was in 2010. I won't date myself too much here, but you know, I have seen a lot how focus on air quality has changed over the years. Uh, I've been with air quality uh, wind since 2019. Uh, Wind has been around since 2014. Uh, And I remember it really just focused on not only the fires that we're facing here in California, uh, but then really just how do we get people focused on air quality in general? And that was obviously pre-pandemic. And now I'm not even going to say post-pandemic. We're really still in it uh, in terms of COVID. So With that, I will stop talking and and ask you the question of that. What is your take in in these last few years? And and even just as importantly, how you see the built environment changing uh, geared more towards what air quality and how it's being addressed, maybe even earlier on in the building of a building process? Well, I think the one thing that COVID has really done in the built environment is uh, acknowledge the importance of healthy air. And that is for any type of space, whether it be our home, uh, public space, an office, a stadium where we can watch the Celtics beat the Warriors, you know. Um, nice. So I think having that level of understanding of importance for really anyone, just any layman off the street, not just, you know, mechanical engineers and contractors, et cetera. I think we are seeing increases in filtration for mechanical systems. So in California, they actually increased the code minimum from MERV 8 to MERV 13. What that really means is they're collecting the finer particles that are being circulated from the outdoors in. Uh, But that does not address the recirculated air indoors in our spaces. So that is really, you know, the thing that we really wanted to get engaged with wind on on our space since we don't have uh, the control over the recirculated systems being a tenant in our office in San Francisco. So having that level of assurance with the filtration, the air purification systems you guys have, as well as that air quality monitoring is really something that we wanted to assure ourselves when we were returning to the office in May of 2020. So since then, you know, we've had 
I believe still zero reported cases of transfer of COVID within our office, which nice. is pretty cool. Very um, cool. But, you know, COVID aside, air quality is really paramount for cognitive function in our spaces. So the International Well Building Institute, IWBI, of which I'm a well faculty member, we really focus on the importance of air quality and all of these other parameters that help occupants optimize their, their life and their health and their productivity in these spaces. So... I think with the pandemic, with the information about cognitive function and fires and general climate change, air quality is going to continue to be something that we focus on. Um, and I'm going to just keep talking here. Please do. No, this we, is great. Thank you. As we look towards the future of sustainability, I think we really need to start to identify the relationship between energy use for indoor controlled air and air quality. And how can we monitor our indoor air quality in order to reduce the energy usage of bringing in that outdoor air? How can we use better technology in our buildings to really have the uh, intersection of good air quality and lower energy usage? So. Well said. Yeah, you and you got me thinking because you know, CBRE was in Salesforce Tower, you know, don't get me wrong, there's class A offices, but, you know, we've gotten pulled into a number of schools. And I think the school side of it, so nothing new in terms of the filters, you know, and it's HEPA certified and HEPA true filters that we put into our purifiers. But, you know, one of the elements that we found is you couldn't put a HEPA filter into commercial ductwork or it would just disintegrate. So mm -hmm. the idea that a lot of these buildings, maybe they don't have the means to make upgrades to their systems. Schools, thankfully, are getting more attention and or more funding, especially from a federal standpoint, where they say, okay, it's finding the sweet spot between the two. You know, it's a balancing act between putting in the localized purifiers and sensors, sensors more to collect the data just to even figure out what's going on. Uh, I think right. you made a, a great point in terms of, uh, well, IWBI and, and then the old Harvard study on cognitive ability. So a lot of places mm -hmm. are starting on, on carbon dioxide, but that was, a, that was an excellent point. Many yeah. excellent, excellent points, I should say. Um, so the other thing I'll, I'll mention right now is I'm part of a peer network with Building Green, so sustainable engineers, design, and construction leaders. And we put out a paper, a white paper, about the considerations for continuous air quality monitoring. This was really focused on an office environment, and we're currently working on uh, a little bit more of that K through 12, other types of buildings that haven't focused on this and the relationship between the energy piece. So uh, my plug is to kind of look out for that, but it's something that we're all starting to talk about in, in the building sector. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for pulling that all together, because as we just hit on, there's a, a number of different parties and companies. I'm sure you've seen just in terms of building a building, how many different companies are involved and subs on there. But mm -hmm. um, that is a nice segue. I think I encourage the, the group to check out some of the links. Uh, I will make sure that everyone has access to all of those reports and studies, uh, especially from the building part uh, in terms of materials. I did, as we have uh, Kina on the podcast, want to talk at more of a, a macro level of what companies can do on a whole. Um, so when Drew was on, Drew Shula from Vertical Group, he had talked about uh, B Corp. 
Um, B Corp works, especially if companies are looking at becoming a public benefit corporation in the future. Uh, another nice, dare I say, alternative, and Kina can correct me if that's not how it's positioned, uh, but is the just label through ILFI. So ILFI, for those who are not familiar, is the International Living Future Institute. Uh, they also have the Living Building Challenge, which when I was more familiar with it was the even more challenging to achieve level than the Leeds and the Wells and the Fitballs of the world. But mm -hmm. maybe two sides of that, because not only is Kina involved with Well, being a Well faculty member, but could you walk uh, our listeners through what that just label is uh, for yeah. businesses and maybe the best places that they can start on that journey? Yeah, um, so the, the just label is a social justice transparency label for organizations. And it really looks at metrics about equity, diversity, stewardship, community engagement, um, health benefits to employees. And it's really seen as kind of a nutrition label of social justice and equity for an organization. Um, I will kind of back up a little bit too and just share about BCCI's journey with JUST. So we, we've we had a sustainability group since 2006, but in my 10 years at the company, it's really shaped from just green building to green building, wellness, sustainability, and ESG. ESG, for those listeners who don't know, is environmental social governance. And so our commitment to well and indoor air quality is kind of part of that social piece of ESG that we see. Um, we also have, you know, lead certifications in our offices. But as part of the governance piece, we wanted to benchmark how we're doing with social justice metrics. So we had our first Just Label back in 2014 when it was first launched. We were actually the first contractor to ever receive a Just Label and the 10th Just Label overall. So since then, we have renewed every two years. So we're on our fifth Just Label now. And really what it's done for us is allowed us to look at these different metrics such as gender pay equity and figure out how we want to either do nothing or close the gap and get a little bit more stars. Uh, you know, identifying as a female, I am really proud that we have moved up in that in that rank. Um, but we also look at things like charitable giving. So we've looked at how much volunteer hours we have through our community builders program and how much donations we do on an annual basis. Do we want to increase that based on our profitability? Is it something we're okay with? And that all has been really dictated by the Just Labels guidelines. Um, once you see your score on a page, leadership really wants to improve, right? So mm -hmm. kind of looking at the metrics that are meaningful to us are something that's been a really great thing that we've been progressing as a leadership group at BCCI. Well said. I, I got lost in your explanation of it. I almost mm -hmm. forgot to read my script here of the, the next question. So and in closing, it's a nice segue. And last but not least is that uh, I know you're very involved in crew uh, to our listeners. That's commercial real estate women's network. So you'd kind of hit on that in a couple pieces here, uh, partly on the DEI, but also on the just label. So mm -hmm. uh, another good place for people to get involved. I know a number of our own employees are looking to get involved in San Francisco based events, but could you touch upon and what your involvement in that network has been and also how our listeners can get involved there as well? 
Yeah. So Crew is an international organization, and the focus of Crew is to develop and advance women as leaders in commercial real estate. Uh, that being said, it is not a women's exclusive organization. It is really just to advance diversity in commercial real estate. But one of the, so my involvement with Crew really goes back probably eight years. Um, I was the founder of the Rising Leaders Committee within Crew San Francisco. And since then, I've been part of a number of different committees. I've served on the board of the directors for Crew San Francisco. And currently, I am the Crew Foundation Champion. So Crew nice. at the international level has a 501c3 organization. And that goes for scholarships of uh, women in the industry, but it also goes towards industry research and benchmarking studies. So the benchmarking studies happen every five years, and it's really about all factors and backgrounds in commercial real estate. So that industry group is actually the leading organization putting out uh, studies and metrics about diversity and inclusion in commercial real estate. So um, I think if people really want to get involved in creating more diversity in the future of commercial real estate, Crew is an excellent organization to not only get information from, but also help with the industries that you have locally. So there's chapters everywhere. There's a national network. Um, but Crew San Francisco is where I've served most of my time. <laughs> Very well said. And I, and I promise I will attend one of the upcoming events here. It's and not a women's only organization. Just to reiterate, <laughs> I know, you brought that up. I will show it up. It is funny though. So um, my CEO actually went to a crew luncheon with me and he said he felt uncomfortable because he was one of the only men. And I turned right back and looked at him and said, well, that's how we all feel in meetings Good for or you. on job sites. Right, so. you are. Well said. Nice. Okay. Then as a great segue, I, I had another kind of thought on the fly here. Mm -hmm. uh, we have just done individual interviews. I think this was great in terms of talking about business certifications, uh, as well as on the construction, the operations and maintenance. Uh, if you're open to it, not to put you on the spot here, I'd almost want to have another podcast interview that digs a little bit deeper into the energy efficiency standpoint. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could have a, a couple of people join or get a panel going. So uh, if you're open to that, we'd love to have you back on a future recording. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think um, there, there's a lot going on in the, quote, sustainability world here. And DEI is a really big topic. ESG is a really big topic. Embodied carbon, energy efficiency, indoor air quality. There's kind of an endless amount of things that you can do and look at. What I would say is like, don't get overwhelmed. Start small. Well said. There's always tomorrow. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Kina, for joining. And uh, we'll close on a uh, Go Warriors. No, I won't say that. Oh. No, <laughs> go sell dig. Diversity and inclusion. I'm for the best. Uh, hopefully a good game comes. May the best that, team win. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Thank you, Kina. Thanks for joining. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.